G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. God is going to close some doors and not allow you to go through. And some doors He's going to open and shove you through. Today with Jeff Vines. Hi and welcome. Thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. Last time you may have heard Pastor Jeff reading from Philippians chapter 3 and speaking about how God wants to be in a long-term relationship with us and how that relationship strengthens and deepens over time. Well, today we'll conclude this message and Pastor Jeff speaks boldly about hardships in our families and careers. I'm sure we can all relate on some level. So let's get back into the rest of the message now on Today with Jeff Vines. We, we just don't understand why God did what he did with Abraham and Isaac. And part of it is when God asked Abraham to take his son up to the top of the mountain and sacrifice him, the first thing is that Abraham knew that God would never go through with it. Because if you read the text, he says to his servant, wait here, both my son and I will return. But the second thing is we're talking about an age of primogeniture. If you had a son, you had everything. For Abraham to have a son meant that Abraham's name would go on, that his people would multiply. And that's what Abraham wanted in his day and time. That's what all men wanted more than anything else. Somewhere along the line, Isaac became a greater love than God. And God put Abraham to the test. Isn't it interesting that sometimes the very things we pray for and the gifts God gives us take his place. And so God, not that he wanted to know, but he wanted to remind Abraham That as good as Isaac is, and as great a gift as a son is, it's still a lesser love. And he sends Abraham up to the mountain to remind him. And when Abraham started to bring the knife down, even though the angel prevented, more than informing God, Abraham informed himself, yes, truly, God is my greatest love. Do you know what this means, folks? It means that there have been moments in your life in the past that you've misinterpreted. You thought God was abandoning you just because he closed the door that you begged him to open. You thought he didn't love you when in reality he kept it closed because he was trying to bridge the gap between you and him. Folks, to me, this isn't just theory. This is my life. When my mom died... And my father was sitting in the waiting room. 
He was praying. My dad hardly ever prayed out loud. He was praying the most intense prayer I ever heard my father pray. And it was for God to open a door that would save the life of my mom. Now you realize if God opened the door to save mom's life, he would be closing the door on my mom being in his presence. We always, we often forget that. Dad prayed and prayed and my mom died. Three days later, we were on the front porch of the front porch swing in a home in Tennessee. And my dad said to me, son, why did God take your mother from me? I went back to New Zealand. Three years later, I came home for the next furlough. I hadn't seen my dad for three years. We went to that same front porch. My dad said, hey, come back to the back bedroom. I got something I want you to see. So I followed him back and he opened up this big chest. And then it was a big, thick Bible, worn and tattered. And he said, I've been wanting to give you this, but I kept forgetting this is your mother's Bible. And I took my mom's Bible and I started going through the pages. There were flowers in it. Remember I used to put roses and flowers in your Bible and all kinds of markings in the margin. But there was a prayer list that she had been praying for, evidently for years and years of her life. One of the prayers, I think it was the first one on the list, was for my father to experience the unconditional love of God. The reason is because my dad had a horrible dad. His dad beat him, I mean, just physical and mental cruelty and abuse. My dad had a stammer, a stutter, and every time he stammered or stuttered, my father's father would beat him. And he would beat him with a shovel so that I can never remember a time when my dad could stand up straight. I always remember my dad walking over. Irreparable damage. But when my father met my mom, he fell so deeply in love that he figured, finally, I have found the love that fulfills everything. My mother, because she was a lot more mature in her faith than my father, knew that was a dangerous game to play because she may not always be there. So she prayed regularly for my dad, although to receive her love, to learn what it is to be loved ultimately by a father, the heavenly father, who would never leave you or forsake you and who would love you unconditionally. Dad gave me that Bible. I went back to New Zealand. Now it's three years again later and I come back. It's been six years since my mom died. My dad took me to the back porch, a porch he had built to just sit out and ponder. He said, son, I have something I want to tell you. I said, what is it, dad? I know God in a way I never have before. And I don't think it would have happened without your mom's passing. What do you mean, dad? He said, I I can't believe I missed this for most of my life. The way he has ministered to me, the way he has revealed himself to me. There are things about God I never knew and probably would have never known without your mom's passing. My dad lived the rest of his life very courageously and he learned to do things he had never learned to do because he had a father that did not know how to express love to his children. He had a hard time expressing it to us. But for the last, I don't know, five, 10 years of his life, I bet you my dad said, I love you, son, more times in those years than all the other years put together. Because when you go to close proximity to God, when you start to get close to God, you start to become like him. Can I tell you, can I just ask you to consider something? Maybe your parents weren't great parents. Can I be so bold as to make the statement that perhaps God was wooing you through that whole circumstance? It was part of the courtship phase that you would know that you're never going to find ultimately what you want in them anyway. And maybe by allowing you to encounter that, you would run to God. 
Can I tell you that maybe those frustrating career experiences that you had, God continuing to close the door, open the door, could it be that God's been wooing you and closing the door, reminding you that this is not going to satisfy ultimately like you think, so I'm going to frustrate it until you finally realize that your greatest satisfaction is in me. Somebody hurt you deeply. Can I suggest that God was wooing you? Because the only way you're going to be able to forgive them is if you come to know the forgiveness found in God. And by his forgiveness and love, you'll be able to forgive other people. Somebody you lost that you loved, can I suggest even in that moment, God was revealing a part of himself that you would have never known had you not lost them. You say, but Pastor Jeff, why does my life seem to be so worse than everybody else's? Well, first of all, it's not. You just think it is. But second, look at my children. Delaney, when he was a little boy, you look at him, he cried. But Sion, it's another story. She actually slapped me when she was six years old. (laughs) Two different kids. I want to say something to you. God knows your love language and he knows your personality. He knows what gets your attention. For some of you, if you come up to a door and it's closed, you're not that upset. You just kind of turn the knob. It doesn't work. You go on with your life and say, okay, this is not the way God wants me to go. But others of you, man, man, you've spent your entire life trying to break down the door. Your entire life is, God, I deserve this. I'm entitled to this. This is what I want. This is going to make me ultimately happy. And God's on the other side. And it's because he loves you and because he's trying to close this gap that he won't let you go through the door. But it hasn't stopped you. You're bitter and you're angry and you're mad at God because there's a door that didn't open or there's a door that closed and you automatically assume that God has abandoned you rather than God is trying to close the gap between the two of you. However, (laughs) there are some doors you don't want to go through that God shoves you through because the only way you can know who he truly is The only way that God can be known as he seeks to be known, the only way that you can be most satisfied in him is if you go across the threshold into an experience that you would never take on yourself. For instance, isn't it true that if you want to truly know the joy of God, you're going to have to experience the sadness and frustration of man. If you truly want to know the love and care of God, then you're going to have to experience the rejection and apathy of life without him. If you want to know the fullness and the richness of God, you've got to experience the emptiness and poverty of this life. And if you want to know the power and strength in God, you're going to have to experience the weakness and vulnerability of everything else. God is known best in contrast, not in theory. God is known best in contrast, not in theory. This whole understanding has caused me to look back. Stay with me now. Look back over the course of my life and look totally differently at the events. Where previously I felt God had abandoned me, now I know, no, God's been trying to close the gap between me and him all of my life. My mom's death. The most painful experience at that time I had ever had. But it's in that experience that I learned. Man, even in times when you think you can't go on, God moves in and he is able to carry you and to give you the strength and the power and the wisdom to move forward one day at a time. In my dad's death, I began to know God as father. When you lose your family, your mom and your dad at a young age, You're going to do one of two things. You're either going to run away and try to live in a distant land away from the father, or you're going to run into the father's house, hoping to understand and experience the fatherhood of God. When my anxiety happened, you had to listen to it for over two and a half years. Do you know what I learned? I learned there is no need to fear death, that I know the one who has the keys. 
And I should never be anxious for anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make my request known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will rule my heart and my mind, my emotions in Christ Jesus. My bicycle accident recently, I broke both my arms. Do you know what I learned? That there's no cure for stupid. (laughs) If you ride your bicycle fast, going downhill with earphones in and listen to loud music and no brakes, no helmet, bad things are going to happen. But even in that, God taught me a valuable lesson. In those times in my life where I start to stray away from the path or try to go through a door that he's not willing for me to go through, he reserves the right to get my attention. Because those four weeks that I sat waiting for my arms to heal, again, I was able to do an evaluation of where I was with God and maybe some of the ways and some of the places I had strayed. Now listen, here's here's what I'm saying about this. Each event drew me closer to God and gave me a deeper revelation of who God is. What I previously felt was abandonment, I began to realize, is God's activity in my life of bridging the gap between us. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, before the passage that we read, said, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Now, if I'm right that the Apostle Paul wrote this around 61 AD while he was in prison, in a Roman prison, chained to a Roman guard, then Paul is in the fourth quarter of his life. And if you know anything about Philippians chapter three, he lists all the things previously he had put his hopes and trust in, his security. He put all the things that he thought would bring him ultimate satisfaction. He says, now I consider those all as rubbish. So much so that Paul is able to be content even when he's chained to a Roman guard. Why? Because when you're most satisfied in God, nothing externally matters that much. As long as you have God, you have everything. That's why Jesus told parables like there was a treasure hidden in a field and a man discovered it. He went and sold all he had to get to possess that treasure. If you've got God and you're most satisfied in him, external circumstances don't impact your demeanor. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. But you're not going to know that you're most satisfied in him until he removes all the other things you're trying to satisfy yourself with. And God is committed to closing the gap. So how do you know you're making headway? How do you know you're, this is working? Number one, the passage we read, and this is what pumps me up. You know Christ and the power of his resurrection. You've settled into Christ. There's a real closeness between you and God. You pursue other loves. You still pursue a job and a career and a raise. and a, You still pursue those, but there's nothing that you pursue to the intense degree as you pursue your relationship with God. And you are most satisfied with God even when everything else is falling apart. And you're making gains in your life against those things that have been trying to destroy you. The dunamis power of the Holy Spirit is in you and upon you and you're defeating the strongholds in your life. When you move in a close proximity of God, you learn to do things you never thought you could do. You're forgiving your parents. You're forgiving your spouse. You're overcoming all the hurts, habits, and hangups. And that sour look that's been on your face for most of your life because you think God's abandoning you turns into a sweetness that is compelling and contagious. And the addiction that overpowered you before is now losing its grip. And the sin that's been entangling you is being broken apart. And those voices in your head that tell you that you're insignificant, that you're hopeless, 
They're fading and be replaced by another voice that says you're valuable, you're priceless, you're significant, you're unique, and there's nobody else like you. And that one thing, that one door that you've been trying to open all your life because you thought there's something on the other side that you just can't possibly live without, when you're getting close to God and you're experiencing the power of his resurrection, guess what? Suddenly it's relegated to its rightful place. You'll be thankful if God delivers it, but you know you're not entitled to it. And it doesn't matter that much anymore anyway because you are most satisfied in God. And second, you know Christ in the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. What does that mean? Man, I started to look at this passage totally different in light of this context. I think we've kind of gone a different direction. The apostle Paul saying, I want to know Christ in the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. In other words, I want to suffer for the same reason he suffered. Now, why did Jesus suffer? He gave up what was good to gain what is better. He left his home in heaven. He suffered the impact of humanity. He got tired. He was hungry. He was stressed. He was in want. He was in need. He faced mortality. He faced death. He did all of this. He gave up what was good. Nothing wrong with heaven. He gave up what was good in his suffering that he might obtain what was best. And that always requires suffering to a degree. So Paul says, I am willing to share in the sufferings of Jesus. I'm willing to lose what is good for God to close the doors in my life of things that I think will ultimately satisfy in order that I may gain what is best, even if it means I've got to go to prison. In other words, Paul says, if it means that by going to prison, it will close the gap between me and God, bring prison on. Can you say that? It means that you start to look at the losses in your life as necessary sufferings to lose what is good in order to gain what is best. And then he says, I want to know Christ and the desire to become like him in his death. What does that mean, like him in his death? Did Paul want to be crucified? No. It means that he wants to suffer in the likeness of Christ's death. The word has a lot to do with impact or effect. In other words, in the same way that Christ's death brought people far from God, near to God, Paul wants to live a life and die to himself that he may live for Christ. And in doing so, he may bring people far from God near to God. Because a life whose ultimate satisfaction is truly in God. Now, you see what I'm saying here? Where duty becomes desire, where the passion of your life is to be with God's people, is to be in the presence of God. You're not doing it out of duty. You actually want it because there's a satisfaction that it brings. You know, it's just like on the weekend when you say, oh man, it's Sunday, got to go to church. That means you're still in the duty, not in the desire yet. When you move to desire, man, I want to be there to sing with God's people, to praise, to worship. Man, I need that in my life to remind me that there's something far greater than the temporary. There's something that is eternal that I could never lose. You know that the gap is being bridged in your life between you and God when you start bringing people home to Jesus. Because you can't be that close to God without your heart beginning to break for what breaks his heart. So where to from here? quickly. Two things. Keep forgetting. Let me read it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. What's the context here? Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I'm going to stop going through the same doors that I've gone through in the past that I've learned already are not going to give me the satisfaction I thought they were going to give. That's what he's saying. I already know now that my greatest satisfaction is in God. I am not going to keep trying to break down doors. If God closes it, it's going to stay closed. And if I went through it and God allowed me to go through it and experience all those things that I experienced to no end, 
Ultimately, it did not satisfy. I'm going to stop trying to go through those doors in my life. I'm going to stop trying to get relationships to replace God. I'm going to stop trying to get God to give me the job and the amount of money that I think I need to be satisfied. I'm going to stop that. I'm putting the past behind me. You with me? You need to pull a Lee Kuan Yew. Do you know who that is? Lee Kuan Yew. I've made a life of studying this guy. This guy took over Singapore after the Second World War. People hated this guy because every decision he made, he got ridiculed for. He wanted affordable housing for the masses. He wanted everyone to have access to a good education. He wanted to become the central banking system for all of Asia. People laughed at him, said it'll never happen, but it did. He was a genius. When I was in Thailand, he was on the news. He was celebrating his 91st birthday. Still a hero in Singapore. And he had one simple motto, get up, get over it, and get going. Stop trying to crash down the doors that you know God's not going to open. Or if he does open, it's not going to deliver what it promises to deliver. I've said from day one, even your anatomy, remember this? Even your anatomy, God shows you that he wants you to keep moving forward, right? Your hands, your ears, your nose, your mouth, everything moves forward. There's only one part of your anatomy on the other side. And that just proves that some things are meant to be left behind, right? Right? Forget it. Look at your past. Look at your past, not as God's abandonment, but God's attempt to close the gap and don't return. And second, keep reaching. Every day, Paul says in Philippians 3.12, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. What is the goal? To close the gap between me and God. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Jesus took hold of you so that you would have intimacy and community with God. And God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And for us to be most satisfied in him, he is going to be about the business in your life of frustrating and removing your lesser loves. You got to get to the point where you say, God, okay, the past is behind me. I'm going to reach forward now. And every time something happens, every time a door opens or closes, here's the question you ask. All right, God, what part of you do I not yet know that is going to be revealed through this set of circumstances that I consider to be unfortunate? When you get to the point where you can do that, like Paul, it won't matter if you're strapped to a Roman guard in a prison, if things are not going very well in your life, because you've got the one thing that can never be taken away. You are most satisfied in God, and you know that one day, the deepest, most intense desires of your heart will be a reality, and whatever you lost here will be replaced to an infinitely greater degree. If you're in the room, wherever you are, and you're angry with God, I'm asking you to be honest. If you think that your life has not turned out the way it should have, that God should have opened a door that he didn't open, he shouldn't have closed the door that he closed, I'm asking you to make a commitment to say, you know what, I'm gonna look at the past totally differently. If God would have given me those things, it would have ultimately destroyed me. I don't see how, but God does, and I'm not infinite, and I don't have omniscience. I don't have all knowledge. He does. I'm gonna trust him for the future, and I'm gonna put the past behind me. I'm gonna pray this prayer, and if that's you, just agree with it. You don't have to repeat it. Just agree on all campuses as I pray this prayer, agree with it. And you can start fresh. Father in heaven, I pray for all of us who have been angry with God, angry with you because of a closed door or a door that didn't open. <laughs> I ask for forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness. We ask you to give us the ability to look at our past 
from a totally different vantage point than we ever have before, that you are closing the gap, frustrating our lesser loves that we may find our ultimate satisfaction in you. Do in us what you need to do in order that you will be most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in you. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. That's the end of this message from Pastor Jeff. Next time, join me for more in the Pumped series. It's based on passages of Scripture that really pump up Pastor Jeff. And hopefully, you too. People who are far from God matter to God, so they should matter to us. We are fishers of men, and there are people hiding. we got to find them. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.